Hi, everyone, and welcome to ForageCast, a podcast from Forage Genetics. Each month, we take a deep dive into alfalfa topics and address real on-farm issues that revolve around alfalfa's integration into cropping systems. And now, here's your host, Emily Message. Welcome to this episode of ForageCast, sponsored by Forage Genetics International. I'm Emily Message, Technical Support Specialist with FGI. Today, we're discussing the benefits of Harvextra alfalfa with an Illinois-based grower, Sam Brandenburg. Sam, thanks for being with me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start off, Sam, tell me a little bit about yourself and your operation. Well, we're located in East Central Illinois in Pike County, and we, we raise about 2,000 acres of corn and soybeans, 50-50, but we also have about 400 acres of commercial alfalfa that we grow. We also have a 60-head uh, cow-calf beef operation we run, too, so we're doing things a little different here. We have really probably some of the best soils in the world for corn and beans, but we're putting hay on them, trying to chase. Uh, we have a good niche market in the area, so with some dairies that are looking for high quality hay uh, and not looking to pay the freight from out west so we're we're trying to take advantage of our location and our and our good soils now with your 400 acres of alfalfa is that a mixture of conventional and traded or is it primarily all traded what do you have growing there uh, we have some conventional we we do have quite a few acres of uh, leaf hopper alfalfa we're using those on some transition farms we're transitioning to organic we have a Rotation we're working on where we're running three to four years alfalfa and then going to organic corn and then going right back to alfalfa. Uh, and then we also have our uh, more specialized acres uh, for high-quality dairies. We've, we've got about 200 acres of Harv Extra Roundup alfalfa out. Now, did you grow the Harv Extra as a response to the dairies requesting it, or um, were you kind of convinced from the agronomic standpoint? Uh, more from the agronomic standpoint, you know, we were having, you know, obviously we get we get paid by the point, the RFV point. So it was always cut as fast as early as you can, you know, 21 days, you know, in that pre, pre-bloom or, you know, half bud stage. And, and we don't, we get a lot of rain in the Midwest and sometimes it never stops. So that's not really a schedule that's feasible to do that well for dry hay at least you know we we do wrap and make some baleage but after talking to my account manager for wl he's like you know this could really help you out and i said all right let's put an 80 of it in and try it and and we were letting letting this stuff go to 30 days 35 days we even let some go to 40 days and we're still pulling those 150 to 180 rfd tests you know letting it go that long and i did like the idea of going from five to five cuts to four cuts and still getting the same tonnage. Plus we're seeing, you know, when you're getting alfalfa, you know, pretty much, you know, half bloom when you're cutting it, it dries better than trying to cut this, you know, pre-bloom alfalfa, you know, or half bud that stuff. It can be more difficult to get dry. And so we saw a lot of benefit potential. And after being, being in it for three years, it's, it's something we really like to have, 
to, to know we have some acres to grow. We know, okay, this dairy is going to get everything off this field this year. We know we're going to get good hay. Like this year, I think uh, we got four cuttings. And we averaged 180 RFE off all four cuttings. You know, when you're when you're making <laughs> your money off of the RFV point, having the numbers higher definitely pays more bills. So we uh, that's what it all comes that's back great. to for everybody. So. And how does that RFV number compare to, say, your your conventional alfalfa that you were harvesting on that 21 or so day schedule? I'd say easily 30 points better. But when you had to let that stuff go to 30 days because the, the weather didn't let you in there, and then you were, you were dropping down in the 120s, I mean, immediately. You know, when it went full bloom, it was the difference between milk hay and, and heifer hay. So... And you, you mean know, with talking, the conventional on that? Right, right. Yeah, the conventional would, <laughs> the, the drop off of quality was just like a cliff versus, you know, the 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 Harvextra seemed to kind of plateau out a little bit and fall, you know, tail tail off there as, as you got more mature. I mean, yes, there's some quality drop off, but it would stay in that 150 to 160 range, even at 35 days. Wow. And so, and you even mentioned that you were having to go out 40 days in some cases. Were you still seeing acceptable RFVs at that late of a harvest? Yeah. We, uh, this year on our third cutting went out 40 days and it was still in the 150s. So. Wow. And what sort of yield capture are you getting with that extended harvest? I mean, with our good soils, it's, it's it's obvious whenever yields good because we'll start to see lodging in areas of the really good soil types and that's mm-hmm. typically due to just the plant is big you know it's tall it's it's put on a lot of growth so i mean even mm-hmm. with four ton or uh, excuse me four cuttings this year we were over six ton of dry dry matter removal and is that pretty typical for your area yeah, we, other conventional alfalfas yeah. Yeah, five to six. Yeah, on this re- on really good ground, you know, our, our our high productive soils. I've I've hit eight ton on years where just things line up. We've been in that eight nine ton range before, which wow. is typically though when you're getting that kind of tonnage, your quality's not going to be there either. You know, you're you're getting mm-hmm. a lot of rain and you know probably a high high temperatures, so you're getting rapid growth, and those are the years where you may not get in there for 40 days on any of the cutting. So it's been a few years since we had anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather be in that five to six ton range, you know, and, and, and raising this, you know, 160 plus, you know, hay. Sure. And you mentioned uh, lodging in part of your statement there. Have you seen any increases in lodging with Harv Extra compared to conventional? Obviously, when you get out, you know, 40 plus days, the risk for lodging is going to be there no matter what type of alfalfa. But do you see any increased risk with Harv Extra? I haven't. I know people have made those comments. Well, I'll reduce lignin. It's not going to stand well. No, I haven't seen that. I mean, I've seen alfalfa 36 inches tall standing great, you know, and there's nothing you can do. We, we're on our on our Harvextra acres. We spray we spray insecticide every cutting, and we foliar feed also mm-hmm. while we're going over it with that pass. And the amount of leaves and the quality, you know, we we plant pretty thick stands. I'm pretty that 20 to 25 pound of the acre range is usually where we shoot when we're seeding them. So we got a lot of plants out there, and you've got 
fine stems and, and a lot of leaves. So, you know, you get one hard rain when it's 30 inches tall, you're not going to stop it from going down. But I've never had any problem getting it mowed mm-hmm. off good. And, you know, it, it seems to stand very well. But I, I actually feel like I've seen more lodging in some of the conventional stuff. And I think I think it needs to be cut more often, you know, than what this stuff's okay. capable of. Well, along those lines too, you also mentioned that you've been able to switch from a five cut down to a four cut system. You know, have you noticed mm-hmm. any impacts on persistence of stand and health of stand? What what sort of things are you seeing there? Yeah, well, just from from what research, you know, opportunities I've got to see, you know, and and, and we've all known that you know, when you're cutting stuff at pre-bloom, you're you're damaging the crop. And I've got I've got a farm that's on its fifth year and the stand still probably 85%. We did introduce some grass into it last year. We had a pretty rough winter uh, two winters ago that in- induced a bunch of winter kill on some farms and uh, I didn't want to see the thin spots get weedy but and even though it's yeah it's a Roundup Ready alfalfa, well we've we've used the Roundup Ready part for establishment, you know, keep getting the weeds out of it, the grass, you know, unwanted grasses while it's, you know, trying to get itself going. We sprayed the the stand we seeded last fall, we sprayed it twice this spring because it had some winter kill didn't didn't even make it through its first winter so we sprayed to clean it up and then interceded the thin spots and then we sprayed it again in midsummer to clean it up again and now it's just perfect weed free thick stand doing good and so i mean you you don't use that in my opinion the roundup for five years you know once you get a good stand going and cleaned up but it's nice so when you go to the grasses you can clean it up one last time before you introduce, say, an orchard grass into it or timothy to make sure that, okay, all the unwanted grasses that might be natively trying to grow there are gone and start fresh again. So it's a very nice tool. So you're only spraying then generally about two years in that establishment year. That's enough to kind of clean up the weeds as long as you have that healthy, bigger stand. And then you might spray again prior to interseeding a grass in it a couple years later. Right, right. Yeah. Typically, you know, I'm not spraying like, oh, every year we're going to spray it with Roundup. We just don't have the weeds in it. So then you're kind of using this in a unique situation, at least in my mind, by uh, utilizing the, the Roundup Ready trait in that first year. You're, you're keeping it as a pure stand for a couple years, and then you are interceding that grass mixture, Timothy or orchard grass, you know, to sell mm-hmm. into these other markets. How are your customers responding? What's the quality with that Harvextra grass mix? compared to a traditional or conventional alfalfa grass mix? It's really good because um, you can tell a big difference just in there's a big difference in stem size and quality and look, leaf retention, all that stuff. It seems like you can you can tell big time, you know, our mixed fields with conventional and the mixed fields that are that, that have the Harvextra in it. I know our Amish customer. He and he he helps broker some hay for me in his community, and he he's just like this is some of the nicest looking mix hay I've ever seen. How do you do it? And I said, well, awesome. <laughs> it's just I I think a lot of it comes back to having a really good alfalfa genetic helping you out along the way. I mean, there's so many factors in making good hay, and a lot of it's mother nature. But it's it's. I, I think it's nicer. Hey, you can tell in the barn looking at it. You're like, wow, yep, that, that come from that farm with the Harvextra on it. And are they seeing, are your customers also seeing a response in their animals then when they're fed a Harvextra mix or Harvextra straight compared to conventional? 
They, they seem like it's not as wasty, you know. Well, and mm-hmm. we pulled tests on it too, and we're we're getting mix a tests, you know, getting 170 RFV with our mixes. You know, there's there's you know grasses are extremely highly digestible, so that helps your RFQ and you know your digestibility percentages. But in the softness and the palatability, it's it's a it's a really nice product. You know, not that out pure alfalfa is not, but it's it's not the best fit for everybody. And but if you can have a really nice 50-50 mix or or even 70% alfalfa, you know, 30% grass, that's it's yeah they're real receptive to that and how. How how well the animals like it. Now on the the management, the harvest management, and, and and even just management in general, was there any sort of a learning curve to using that technology? You know, I've heard some people that are concerned that it's actually going to make it more complicated rather than conventional alfalfa or even Roundup Ready alfalfa. What's your take on that? I guess it was hard at first to want to let it go. You know, the extra mm-hmm. days. At first, we were we were cutting it like every twenty one days. 28 days. I, I guess I never did it 21, but we were cut, trying to cut every 28. And then, you know, our um, mm-hmm. alfalfa reps like, hey, you know, we need to do a test out here. I said, all right, let's do it. I said, I'll cut this. You know, we had an 80 acre field. I said, I'll cut 10 acres. We'll cut it 28 days. And and then I'll let the rest of the field go to 38 days. I'll let it go 10 days. And when we did that test, <clears throat> I think that hay, it was second cutting and second cutting is usually not our best RFV hay, but it, it so that 28 day cut was around 160 RFV, which is good. And then we came back at 38 days and cut the rest and it still was in there at 158 RFV. So we lost two points wow. in 10 days wow. on the whole field. And, but it was easier to get dry and it was obviously more tonnage. Like thirty thirty percent more tonnage. We actually caught a rain. We we caught a rain in that ten days. You know, we caught an inch of rain, and we probably gained thirty, maybe even forty percent more tons. So we might have went from a ton and a half to ton and three quarters to almost two ton for second cutting. So I mean, you figure, you know, that's forty fifty bucks an acre, maybe. Mm -hmm. Just to Mm -hmm. wait a little bit. That's huge. And you can imagine, you know, if that was conventional alfalfa and you would have waited that 10 days, what your your hay analysis would have looked like. I mean, you would have had a yield improvement, sure, but your hay analysis would have would have almost tanked. Oh, yeah, for sure. If it would have been any conventional, it, it, you know, it just seems like when conventional alfalfa hits three quarter to full bloom, you know, you drop from that 170 potential to that 130 potential really quickly. Four, we got to look for four good weather windows instead of five. And sometimes that's not sure. possible. So it sounds like for you, at least for the management side of things, the, the hardest part was just kind of changing your mindset a little bit and, and letting go of kind of what you've known about harvesting alfalfa and having to be, you know, on top of harvesting every 28 days or at that kind of shorter interval, rather than necessarily it having a, a negative impact on your other management. I mean, it made it easier right. almost, right? Because you could kind of let it go and, and it would be okay. Yeah, well, when we get into, maybe we get into a weather spell and we get backed up and it's like, oh, all 400 acres is ready to cut all at once. It's like, all right, we're going after the conventional first because we know we got to. And okay. we'll go after that and then we'll get to the Arvextra. You know, we know it's kind of our... That flexibility you know, is huge. 
you know, here, like where I'm at in Pennsylvania, a lot of our fields are 20 acres or so, you know, they're pretty small. So it doesn't take very long to harvest all of your hay off, but where you're getting farther West and in some cases, Montana, Wyoming, where our fields are hundreds of acres, that can make a huge difference. And so it's nice to have this flexibility where you can start with your conventional, you know, get that off when it needs. And the Harvester can kind of just sit there and wait and you're not going to lose that quality. You're only going to gain in yield. Yeah, because before, if you were in this, say you were in the scenario, you had 400 acres all conventional and it's all ready to cut all at once. And you're like, oh, crap. And you, we, you got one week window to get it done and mm-hmm. it's going to rain again. And you're like, oh, crud, if we don't get it all done, we're going to have a bunch of heifer hay when we get done with it, you know, with the last bit of it. Mm-hmm. And, th- and we ran into that this year. We had some beautiful weather, you know, at the end of May. And we, you know, it was another late spring and we got our first cutting all done. Like we went in and knocked out it all in 10 days. That's great until second cutting comes and it's already at the same time again. (laughs) Well, then, then the weather wasn't quite as nice and we got, and then we got to split it up using that and it worked out really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even if everything goes perfectly, still are going to have that issue of just time. And then when things don't go perfectly, which usually happens and you have a weather event, then you're even more in trouble in terms of, of getting it off at the appropriate time. So I, I just think that the flexibility aspect of this technology is so critical and really, in my mind, one of the biggest selling points of it. Yeah, it was hard at first. I, I mean, it's it's no nothing to hide. It's It's substantially more expensive than mm-hmm. conventional alfalfa and that's that's nothing to hide there and it was that was a tough one for me to get around at first and then I started seeing it work for me and I'm like okay I didn't mm-hmm. even you know we put uh we put 119 acres in last fall and I didn't even I said you know I called my rep and I said what number we need and he's like yep you want 375 I said all right order it you know get the bags here we didn't even shop right you know, other options. I said, let's just do it. And and price is a huge point. I mean, that's, I don't want to gloss over that at all. Um, We do know that Harvester obviously carries with it a larger price tag than other alfalfas on the market. Um, What do you think in your mind, what was it that convinced you that that higher price tag was worth it? Was it the quality? Was it the yield or, or was it a combination of both? I mean, the yield's definitely better. Okay. That's good. The quality is the big thing because I know I can sell you know, if I can keep my RFV up there with the dairies, I'm going to, I'm going to hit my goal on marketing price. But what it hit me after our first year or first field of it, that's five years old now, if we can let it go and bloom out some and still get quality, that stand's going to last five, six, seven years. That's with adding grass to it after the third year. You're just, mm-hmm. you can prorate that cost over seven years versus three. You're right down there with, you know, conventional prices per year. If you were putting a conventional alfalfa in and cutting it every 21 days, and it was, the stand was ruined after three years because you're cutting it every 19 to 21 days, which some people do. I mean, that, that really mm-hmm. ruins, the, you know, the life, how long it could live. And you get one bad winter and that, that plant's been through a lot of stress trying to, you know, been cut hard. I mean, we had some stuff that just, it mm-hmm. depleted. I mean, the winter kit, winter killed a whole 80 uh, two winters ago. I mean, it was dead. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. I, we pushed, we pushed those stands really hard 
in years past, trying to make high quality alfalfa. And even my dad said, he's like, yeah, it's nice to know we got some go-to fields that we know, you know, we're going to be able to supply dairy hay to this dairy. Yeah. With these fields. It, well, just I mean, without a question. Yeah. Right. That, it, that confidence. Exactly. It's almost thing. like a fallback. Before it's like, are we going to get lucky enough to even make good hay? You know, those are the thoughts. Are we going to get lucky to have the weather to cut it at 21 days? And if it goes to 28 or 30 days, we're screwed. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Mm, I don't, right. you know, you don't like to have those butterflies, but if you know, yeah, we're going to be good. So you've, you've basically gotten to experiment with this and you, you've looked at it with that extended harvest interval. You've looked at it at the same cutting schedule with the improved quality. You've even looked at the flexibility and the aspect of, you know, there's a weather event coming. I got to wait a little bit. So you've really been able to capitalize on, on all of these different points that we've kind of developed this trait for. Like I said, at, at the beginning, I was a wouldn't say a hater, but I didn't really, I was really unsure of like, man, because I kept going back to the price point of it. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy expensive, you know? And then it took me a couple of years and finally figured out, yeah, this is, this is, this is working and this is making us money and it's making things easier. So easier. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're still farming, right? Was there one or two things that maybe made you, you know, you said that you were really skeptical at first. You just weren't sure it wasn't making sense in your head and you finally took the plunge and you finally did it. What was it that, that made you decide, all right, we're going to put some seed in the ground. We're going to test this and see if it actually works. I needed a way to, to grow better quality hay. I was at the okay. point where I was having a hard time and I had a customer that was willing to buy a lot. And I'm like, well, you know, if this, this can make that happen, then it's going to be, you know, he buys 150 acres worth of hay, all four cuttings every year, you know, that knowing that going in. And then he likes that too. He knows, Hey, Sam makes good hay. I tell him I need, you know, so many bales or so many tons of hay. I know it's going to be good. hay. yeah, I don't know if I caught a breaking point, but I was just, I was like, well, if this is the answer and I can grow better, hay, we need to do it. So I was like, Let's do it. Roll the dice, tried it, and and it took it took a year and a half to finally see it paying off, you know, and then here we are. And now you're sold. Now we're sold. So what would you say then if you were talking to any grower that was on the fence, they're going back and forth, same as you were, they, they just, it was hard to get past that price, but they're hearing all of this stuff. I mean, what would you say to them? If they're intrigued about the flexibility, if they're intrigued by the fact that they can maybe delay harvest and still have good quality, what do you think it would take to convince a lot of these people? Just to think about cutting a cutting out of your schedule for the year. You know, what's that worth to you? for manpower, you know, those big bailing days, getting in the crew together to do it. You know, I, I, we're not a full-time, you know, we're not a big operation like some of the guys out West where they're bailing every day. So those, those days we mm -hmm. bail, it's, it's, a you know, getting, getting the crew together. That, that's one last time you got to do that. You know, it makes you sleep better at night, you know, knowing, well, that stuff was ready to cut, but we got an inch and a half rain last night. We're going to be all right, but the, the the forecast is looking good in six days, really good. And, and versus, you know, with conventional, that that's not going to be dairy hay now. That's going to be, you know, beef hay or something. You know what I mean? That that that's where I was mm -hmm. at on it. It really does. I'm glad you brought brought that up. My sleeping better night because it, it makes you feel better. 
to know that it's going to be okay. It's it's still going to be good stuff. As in, can you we want to add, add that, that to our label? It'll make you sleep better at night. <laughs> I think you should. You're talking. You're talking on 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 conventional that mature. You're probably talking eighty ninety RFBA sometimes. I mean, really, right. Right. you're down at grass hay quality. You know, it's it's just like those those are the instances that make you sick to your stomach because you're like, what do we mm-hmm. do with this stuff? And usually when it gets that bad, there's a bunch of it. <laughs> well, Sam, I really appreciate you being on here with me today. I, I've, this is a great conversation getting to hear a little bit about your experience with Harvextra. Definitely appreciate your input and yeah, thanks for joining us today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Emily. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you'd like more information about forage genetics or any of the information you heard about today, please contact your local alfalfa seed dealer or visit our website at www.foragegenetics.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. Because of factors outside forage genetics control, such as weather, soil, planting, and product application, individual results cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Forage Genetics International. Always read and follow all label instructions.